0: We absolutely love Drink Arepa here at Keegan & Company. Not only is this a brain performance drink, but it was designed and tested by neuroscientists in New Zealand made from all natural ingredients. When I was playing professional footy, I was constantly looking for ways to be better physically and mentally. Now, podcasting, study and work, I focus on training, good quality food and sleep, where I prioritise having a bottle of a wrapper when I want to be switched on mentally. Gives me mental clarity and I just feel like I'm on. Head to drinkatrepper.com and use the bespoke code Keegan25 for 25% discount. That's Keegan25 at drinkatrepper.com. Welcome back to the Keegan and Company podcast. For those who are new to the show, my name is Keegan Hipgrave. And guys, if you haven't already, could I get you to jump over? Give us a little like and subscribe. It's a great way for us to grow the podcast and have some amazing crew like I have on today. Uh, in this episode, I'm joined by one of the great men, uh, professional rugby league player for the Cronulla Sharks, Nico Hines. How are you, brother? I'm
1: good. You did that
0: really well. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to say something or die, but we, we got through it. We did get through it. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to be here. Pumped to have you on. We had a we had a beautiful morning, little swim, a yeah, little swim. coffee. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling good, refreshed. North Bondi. There's a swim crew there. It was big. Yeah, it was packed. Mate, how um, are you?
0: Um, how are you finding the Sydney lifestyle after moving from Melbourne? Usually you settled in?
1: Yeah, settled in big time. Now I've uh, bought my own house in North Caringbah. I was living in Cronulla for a, like riding Cronulla there for a bit, but it got a bit too much yes, for me. Too much, yeah. I'm more sort of a person that likes my own space and a bit quiet area. But Sydney's the grouse, like I was telling you off-air before how I used to run down Sydney a little bit because I used to travel from the Central Coast to do a bit of party and go on Scary Canary or um, there's this one little dungeon place that we used to go to and I used to just like get the 4 a.m. train back. I'm like, Sydney (laughs) sucks.
0: I'm not doing that. No,
1: I'm not doing that. But now like I'm here and I love it. Like I love traveling over to Bondi every now and then to go to Beach Road for a beer, catch up with the boys or – um, just being in Cronulla, like everywhere. Like I love the beaches in Sydney, so. I
0: think that was a lot, I think we were saying that, that was the last time we caught up, yeah. was that beach road? Beach road, yeah. <laughs> we, had a, we had a big night. That was big, a good night. Yeah, that was great a good night. Time. We Mate, how, night. Um, how has off season been? Like for context where your episode will probably go live, probably back end of Jan, probably start of Feb. So for context, you're, um, you've just finished the off season. How, how was it? What'd you get up to?
1: Yeah, so I had a very large off season. Um, was lucky enough to be in the Aussie squad, and then had a, a few weekends. Had Munster's Bucks party, and then just recently had his wedding too. So
0: how was how was the Bucks?
1: Uh very large. Big. It was <laughs> big. probably one of the big, big bigger weekends of my life. But um, yeah, and then just recently over the New Year period, went down to Melbourne and um had the wedding which was awesome it was such a special time it was always a reunion when we have those sort of things like catching up with all the Melbourne boys and Craig Bellamy was there Frank Panisi and like some of the coaching staff and just being around all the boys and their um their wives and girlfriends like it's it's awesome because we spent the 2020 bubble together
0: of course in 2021 was, yeah. but the
1: 2020 was a special one when we won the comp and that was the first time anyone's ever really experienced the COVID bubble and mm to be able to go back and, and see the the great people that you spent all that time with, it's, it's awesome. And um, yeah, I loved every bit you of it. You guys
0: would be like such a close family, hey? Yeah. Like no matter how many people leave different clubs, like you guys are always gonna have that little that little connection. Yeah, right? and
1: that's what the Melbourne Storm's about. It's such a family culture. And um, when you experience such a unique thing that we experienced, like well, everyone experienced the COVID thing, but experiencing it for the first time in 2020 i think we're the only ones that were stuck in the bubble that year because sydney was still um like able to train and whatnot um and then winning a comp together and and going through the ups and downs and and seeing like the kids grow up some of their kids grow up and yeah it was awesome and it was such a unique position and um we always talk about and reflect on those moments
0: mate the wedding and uh, monsters bucks i imagine there's a, probably a few conversations that will happen off air <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but beforehand, was it who was best on ground how what is there anything pg that we can we can talk the about? the bucks or the wedding bucks um, bucks um who was best on ground
1: best on ground that's a good one um cheese cheese had a good crack yeah. cheese always has a good crack yeah, yeah um standard. who, who have we got there Money, like, money, obviously was his buck, so he always brings the energy and, yeah. and the fun. Um, Christian Welch was there. He's a funny, funny man, but he went to sleep pretty early every night. Didn't even stay, did not even stay with us at the hotel. No way. So he, like, obviously he lives in Melbourne, and but he did not come and, like, spend the whole weekend at the hotel. So, yeah. like, obviously would go out, have a good night, come back to the hotel, wake up, reflect, <laughs> um, <laughs> Refl- re- reflect on re- the, what, what happened and <laughs> the fun stories and that, but he would never be there for it. Yeah, um, that's
0: the best part.
1: Yes, yeah, the best part. Yeah. So Welchie, you're a cat. <laughs> <laughs> There's a clip. Yeah. There's, um, was it
0: in Melbourne? You stayed in, Was it in Melbourne?
1: Yeah, it was in Melbourne. Yeah, so, we stayed yeah. in uh, in the city there and we just went for dinner at um, a restaurant and then had a, went to a pub after and then there was a steaks day and that was like okay. the last... Day of the Spring Carnival, yeah. so I had a good time
0: there. So see, I um I spoke to Harry Grant yesterday. Um, f- prep for this party. I like to like to have a conversation with a few of the boys before, just as like a third party. Yeah, I was like, have you got anything good for me? And he just like ask him if he's still paying rent at the SB in Melbourne. He said he's pretty much living there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the SB was a great time. <laughs> SB, um, we had a lot of good times there, and I had a pl- plenty of good times with Harry. It's a at the hell SB. of an establishment. It is. It's awesome. Yeah. We
0: we went there. Um, couple months ago last time i was in melbourne maybe like a month ago and uh mate hell of a spot yeah hell of a spot right on the water especially in summer
1: and the sun's going down it's you can see the sunset and um the all the vibes always flowing there and it's really good people so we spent plenty of time what a a time
0: (laughs) what a time and you're going to pre-season tomorrow pre-season starts tomorrow
1: pre-season yep going back into it yeah i'm feeling good um got a few little just annoying tendon issues in some parts of my body but like I love training and I love being around the boys and uh, preparing for a, a big year, hopefully. And um, I'm someone who my mind goes wild when I'm not training. So really? um, the period when November, December, when the boys are training and I wasn't, it was so hard to be away from And you it. even
0: went in early, yeah? You went, in yeah, I went back season.
1: a week early, just to, I hate feeling like going into the Christmas period feeling like a slob. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll get one good week of training in before um, the Chrissy period. And yeah, I can't wait to be back around it. It's, you, it's awesome. You were
0: telling me um, you were and a few of the boys did like a good little like jiu-jitsu wrestle session on the mats like how how was that
1: yeah it was good I um I find it hard to get motivated for wrestle at training (laughs) because it's like um doing jiu-jitsu at training is like sometimes when I got the big big front rowers like Royce the fat shit like laying on me like I can't get him off me. I don't <laughs> yeah. care how many like skills and techniques I can do, like I still can't get him off him. <laughs> yeah. But like doing the other day with Gal and Langy, like Justin Lang's someone who I train with a with a lot. Um, and then learning a bit more and and um, doing like one on one stuff is it's cool. And um, I smacked, smashed smash Gal a few times, out, <laughs> checked him out twice. So. Oh really?
0: I can't wait for <laughs> can him we get to clip that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there any clips getting around?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. And then my old mate Britt Corey, he was there. I was chucking him around too. But
0: how's um, me and Britain used to play like junior footy at Narang Roosters on the Gold Coast together. Yeah. So Britain's like he was um, from like under eights, I'll make under tens or something like yeah. that. And Britain was always the guy who was kind of in like the Bs, like the, like yeah. the seconds, like at club footy. Yeah. And then hit under twenties and just kicked. Like now, obviously playing international for New Zealand, like killing it with you guys. And he's such a legend. Like he's such a, such good a dude, legend.
1: Hey? Like he he said he only come down to the Sharks just for an open trial. Like yeah. he said he'd never really um, had footy at the forefront of his mind and like it was never like a massive goal. And then he just like, well, I'll go down to Sharks, give it a crack. And then apparently he just went like that. And uh, Britt's like one of like, the most favourite players I've ever played with. He's really? like a um, second row who doesn't weigh a whole heap, but he, he plays like he weighs 120 kilos, you know, and the best line runner that to, to have next to you and – He's a protector as well, so. yeah, I love playing with brit Like he's someone that you everyone will look back on and go, he was the one person that, he'd probably be the first person you picked out next year. Fuck
0: that's so cool. And yeah. even that whole conversation around like, you know, when we were growing up and you've always got the guys who are like probably the best and you think they're gonna make it. A lot of those guys didn't go on and yeah, kick. That's right, didn't But you got know. someone like Britton who was like yeah. in the bees in a club side and like not even a school yeah, side. That's right. I'm pretty sure he's playing keeper park bees. Yeah. And then goes on and kills it now as an yeah, international player. Right. That just shows like all young kids and young crew coming through. Like, fuck, it doesn't matter how good you are when you're a grom like coming through like you, you there's no it's just hard work you yeah keep that's going. right
1: and there's so many kids out there who think that it's just meant to happen like say if you're playing origin in harold mats or Mal Meninga, whatever it was back in the day and then if you're playing under 20s that you're the one that's going to be the superstar and you're going to make it and yeah. then there's kids who miss out on all those teams but like it shows that if you stick at it and you have such a determination to get to where you want to get to then it doesn't matter if you don't make those rep teams because mm. you can still get to the nrl like, did you regardless. make the rep
0: teams when you were coming through like were you uh, like a good player growing up uh
1: yeah like i was decent i didn't make like the under 16s under 18s under 20s origin i never made any of those um i was just floating through like how Matt sg bore. like i wasn't a standout and i reckon if Someone was watching me back in the day. They wouldn't have predicted I would play NRL, I reckon. Like, yeah. I was just someone who was so hungry to make it that I was always going to do whatever it took to get there. But I was more of a skinnier – I didn't hit puberty, I reckon, until, like, 17. I didn't really? – yeah, like, <laughs> really, yeah. So I was just, like, a touch player. Like, yeah. I reckon – like, I love touch footy and I don't think I would be playing in NRL if I wasn't for me playing touch footy yeah, because okay. – the reason what got me to where I was at that moment wasn't because of my size or um, my toughness. I don't think it was because I had the smarts and the skill to perform better than most. Yeah. Like, And that's because I touch footy, yeah. really. And like, I couldn't smash someone or I couldn't break <laughs> a tackle because I was so small and weak, you know, yeah. I wasn't strong. So, But my ability to think faster than other people was probably what got me and transitioned me further and further in my career. But then, then I started growing and I started doing gym and that, yeah. so. Joking yeah.
0: that do you think that almost helps when you know you're not making the rep size just to give you a little bit more like hunger to want to wanna, like not prove everyone wrong but try and get to that next level does like does it
1: yeah for sure yeah. like when you like i remember remember that we we're talking about how you played up in the darwin uh um, the school boys the school, boys school uh, I didn't get picked for Australian Schoolboys and I felt like we beat you guys in the semi-final actually. I know. Yeah, man. Thanks for bringing it up. It <laughs> <laughs> was like one of the best games I've played, like the first half. Like I was – I don't know what happened that game. I was just felt like I was just floating on air. Like I was going so well and then I didn't get picked for the Australian Schoolboys and I was like – like I went over to my brother and literally fell in his arms and cried because really? I was like far out. This is all I've wanted my whole life and then I reckon – and then, like, a couple weeks later, I went to Manly Train. Andrew Johns was helping us out at that point. And then he goes to me, okay, like, I heard you killed it. Don't worry about it. You know who else didn't make it? And I go, who? He goes, me. I didn't get picked for Australian school really? boys. So Andrew Johns again. And then I just went, that's a whole new motivation in yeah. itself. So make it, not making all those teams. Like, I didn't put on a State of Origin jersey until I put it on this year, you know. So I didn't make 16s, 18s, 20s, like I was saying. And all those times have built up, like, that's so much motivation for me to get to where I am now. And... Like I loved it. Like I wouldn't change it for the world. Like yeah. obviously, at the time when you're 16, you see all these boys running out before Origin. You, that's the bee's knees at the time for your yeah. age. You know, you're going holy shit. Like I'm not I'm not making that. Like I must suck. But that's just built me up to who I am now. So yeah, I, I reckon it's massive motivation for Mate, those kids that, that, who don't make it.
0: That's yeah, that's so cool. I remember um, even and even like having that time away, like playing touch footy. Like I had a, did a really good podcast with Alex Glant from Bronx, yeah. and he said when he was in year 11. Um, he had all these like problems with his back and he and the doctor pretty much said like you need to stop playing like you're not allowed to play footy anymore so from like I think was like 16 or 17 to like just before 20s he didn't play any footy like he like he flew under the radar he went to Miami um, on the Gold Coast which is kind of like a surfy school so he like started surfing and started doing all that but he's like but played touch footy and he said having that foundation like Helped me so much coming into the NRL. It wasn't until I think it was I, sw- I think it was his back. I might be. I might have got that wrong. But anyway, he um, he went through and was just surfing, playing touch footy, um, flew under the radar. Then did like a kind of like a training trial at the Bears. Like when got all of his scans and, and like you, the Burley and your, Bears. Burley Bears. Yeah, like, got his scan. And then went to Burley Bears for a training trial or a preseason, and they loved him. And so he ended up signing there, and then got picked up by the Broncos and had a few offers from other teams but he's like no I want to be the Broncos and he thinks like having that little gap in between he's like I was so fresh and I was so just like ready to absorb all the knowledge of you know Lockie and you know Darius Boyd and like all these crew." so mate, it's probably not even a bad bad thing to have that little in-between stage yeah that's
1: right especially like it's a blessing in the skies for some people and you go find yourself and you know when you get to certain players or kids get to a point where they're 18 when they've had like 15, 16, 17 and they been pressured by their parents or yep. like this is their parents' dream and they push their kids or whatever it is or they've been in the academies for so long they get over it, yeah. you know, and like it's so much training for a young kid and like sometimes they just need to go and be a kid, be free, go surf and go hang out go with mates fun. and go have fun and like it's never too late to go and be an NRL player. Like if <laughs> you're still just in the background, chipping away, training hard but yep. still living like a, a kid life, then why not? You know,
0: and in all sports as well, like yeah, not that's just right. not just rugby league. I caught up with one of the um, one of the coaches for Red Bull. They did a um they do like a high performance camps for um, like the best surfers from 16 to 18 years old, and he had to put a. Uh, a camp on for the best surfers i think around australia i don't think it was the world i think it was just around australia like maybe 10 kids and what they did was they invited one of the parents to come stay with them they got this big house in coolangatta and they invited him for like two to three days and they have all these activities planned and the very first thing that they did with the parents and the kids was bring them all in and they had mick fanning and mick fanning's mum oh, there yeah. with them and it was kind of like a q a and chris bin yeah, chris bins he's one he's one of the best he's um He knows Mick really well. And so he was sitting there like interviewing Mick and interviewing the mum. And the mum was just like so good. She's just pretty much like not a helicopter parent, like not telling the kid, like not putting the pressure on him. He's like your coaches will coach you. Like you you surfing is gonna like get you to where you need to be. Like my job as a parent is to like make sure we got nutrition right, make sure you're having fun, getting you to training, like doing all those other things. And pretty much talked about how like um, the best way for them to improve is to have fun and just go out and surf. Like yeah, not right. surfing every, not every surfing yeah, every yeah, comp yeah. every weekend because mm-hmm. so many parents I imagine would do that in netball and, and AFL and rugby league and doing all the rep teams and doing all that. But she was like for the opposite, and then it was really funny. The parents afterwards, she's like, "Oh, that almost seemed like this conversation was directed towards the parents." Yeah. And he's like, yeah, "Yeah, it was 100." <laughs> uh, but it's cool. It.
1: I agree 100% of that. I probably need to check myself there with what I said when I said that just go be a kid. But there's obviously sacrifices you need to make to to be a surfer or a professional and a role player, whatever sport it is. So don't get me wrong when I said that you need to go away for a few years, but you don't need to go away for a few years. You still need to be chipping away and sacrificing a lot. But in saying that, you don't need to be training seven days a week, putting every single bit of your time in. You still need to have fun but also you still need to be determined to make it to where you want to get to, yeah. but you still need to live a kid life.
0: Goal, like having goals in place. Like yeah, that's right. When, um, when I was going through school, like my first big goal was the school boys, the Australian school boys yeah. team. I had like Australian team like written on my mirror and all yeah. these like little quotes and stuff and like we do extras and like that was, that was the whole goal. Um, and then even going into grade, but then there was that whole thing of like, not overtraining, like if I had my time back now, I would have put way more emphasis on skills, touch footy and practicing that instead of like, running myself into the ground, doing more gym. Like yeah. I thought I had to be like physically tough instead of having like the skill component. Yeah. I sort of missed that. Um, but like, hey, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: where I was the opposite, I was always worried about my skill and I hated gym. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> I probably still hate the gym to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, brother, I, I really want to um, rip into this thing um, where this is obviously a mental health and sport podcast and, and may I look at you as someone who's probably the biggest mental health advocate in the nrl if if not australia at the moment and and i'm really grateful to have you on board and and we had a conversation the other day and in the lead up to this podcast mate listen to a lot of your interviews and a lot of your podcasts i'm almost sick of your voice now um <laughs> but i think no, everyone we, is <laughs> we had, but no we i i joke i kid but we um we i, I listened to it and and you are like you're you're so open and 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 vulnerable about your own story, which is one of the main reasons why I want to have you on this podcast. I'm very conscious um, to not uh, touch on the same topics that, that you've touched on a lot. I think uh, we have a duty to the audience and to to go over and, and I'd love to get an overview from you about your story with, with your mom and with your own struggles. But I think where i want to start and where i want to be direct with is 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 why like like why do you have such a passion and a drive to talk about your own stuff and your own vulnerabilities like where does that come from
1: yeah i think it it comes from like a a care factor like um i have a high care factor of things i believe in and what i'm true to and i think a lot of it like my care factors probably got me into situations that I, I haven't liked to be in. Um, because How I so care, like I care about things too much, where I'll put them first or yeah. I'll put um, things first before my own feelings or whatnot. But then, um, but then my care factors got me to where I am now, and 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 the relationships I've built with people, um, yeah, and like I just think that I care about people's feelings a lot. I care about what people go through and I just got a bit of a soft heart. Like I've, I've always been a softy at heart and um, and that's where it, it, it came, I think. And then just seeing in life people struggle around me um, and then going through my own struggles and, and seeing what happened to my mum growing up and um, hearing her story with, with what happened in her life with her growing up and um, just being able to be a sounding board for people who, who go through things in life, and um, everyone deserves to be happy, and and everyone deserves a good life, and and, and people get dealt with shit cards sometimes, and um, there was a period a period where I got dealt with a shit card, and so yeah, I just think, like I was saying, like I, I get worried that people feel like they hear my voice too much and and um, and and tell my story, but why I do it is because there's so many people out there who go through something similar yes. or who are going through um some tough times and and the more that we as professional athletes or or role models can talk about um our struggles and and real life moments then um the better it is for for kids out there who look at their idols and go far out like you know if they can go through it and get to where they are then why can't I so um I'll I'll tell my story every day the week I don't care if people get sick of it or I'll tell my experiences purely for the fact that I want someone else to have a better life and and to be able to chase their dreams and get to where they are they want to get to. And, um, yeah, the more of us that do it, the better. And and like we were saying before, like there's, there's cannot be enough, um, mental health advocates. And yeah, so that, that's my, that's the reason why I do it. And, um, yeah, it's like my DMs, like it's not to do about the DMs, but when I did first tell my story, like when people were saying like, oh, fire you've you've changed my life and mm-hmm. you've helped me. And like, those small little just messages is the reason why you do it right that's and, it yeah and if, if i can keep continuing to be that person then then why not like um i have a people say like you don't have a duty to be a role model but i feel like i do like i'm a role model whether i like it or not mm-hmm. i'm in the public eye um everything i do gets judged on and i just feel like the more i can help people and the better our society can be and and the more i can maybe help the other NRL player who's scared to talk up and, and be an inspiration to someone, you know? And I just feel like there's more people doing it now and the more we can build a community and get together and, and tell our stories to benefit other people, then why shouldn't we do it? And know? I
0: love and I love that. I love everything about that because it's not like it's not just the young kids coming through. It's actually like other NRL players, yeah. yeah? Like even even talking to Harry yesterday, yeah, he like talk shit about the the sp and everything (laughs) but he also says like the thing about nico is that he is such like kind loyal caring bloke like he genuinely cares and and why you do it is like it's fully authentic it's like you're not doing it to get a kick out of like oh like this is my story like fake nice guy like he's like that's that's not the go like i feel like i'm a pretty good judge of character and for you it's like you it's fully authentic like you're you genuinely care about your mates, a but then also the wider community and how how we can help other people, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And I just comes to my mind and we were talking about my five values earlier at the cafe. Yeah, authentic is there's one of my my values that I live by in life. And um, yeah, being being authentic and speaking from the heart is is something really important to me. And um, and then if someone's going to judge you on on your authenticity what's the word authenticity, <laughs> yeah, authenticity. <laughs> um then that's there's something wrong with them that's something going on in their life yeah. so yeah I've just always been wanting to be true to myself and speak from the heart and being authentic and um yeah and my care factor like I was saying and that's just where it comes from, and and I'm actually really happy to hear Harry say that. Yeah. Actually, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harry's yeah. someone who um who mucks around a fair bit, and we muck around a fair bit yeah. as well. But Harry's someone I hold close to my heart, and yeah. and uh, we're, we're always checking on each other. And I think like. Harry's someone who's starting to come out a bit more of, of caring more and yeah. like checking on his mates. Yeah. And, and someone like Harry's a larrikin, and like Harry. from the start when I first met him, so I'm hopefully a little bit is rubbed off, on yeah.
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> but you're passing it on to the boys. Yeah, But that's the, that's the best thing I've, I've found um, when you're able to be like when you're able to be open and vulnerable with your mates, and they're more likely to be vulnerable with you, right? Like it opens this connection, or like, it's weird, it like opens this gateway, and it, especially like because you're so open about what you've done they're probably more likely to come to you and have a conversation with you have you have you found that
1: yeah big time um yeah it's like from a few years ago to to where we are now in society like i feel like uh, males and group of mates are starting to be able to talk to each other more about what they're going through mm-hmm. and, and day-to-day life and Ronaldo Militello someone at the sharks who's really good at that as well and um you know i i felt like in my time at the storm, like I started these connection groups, um, just to get like when we're in twenty twenty in the bubble. In the like, bubble, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So I really wanted to make sure that, you know, not just the the ones who are the popular ones in on the team get a say and or get to talk about their feelings. Like some of the boys who were going through a bit where you wouldn't even think of and would start these connection groups. you go around and everyone to say what's what the how they're feeling and mm-hmm. what's going on in their life. And um, so that was something special. And, you know, and then like when you start doing that then they feel like okay well we can start talking about it to our mates and then our mates can start talking you know and then you just sort of start building a trust around each other and and then you you're, you're building a community that's it's okay to start talking to your mates about things and but that's
0: that's also ballsy from you as well because you'd only played a couple games when you started yeah. making it like i was talking to booth. i myself yeah, <laughs> i remember i was talking to boothy um a little while ago about and because i think you guys were having the conversation about you guys doing it together yeah and then booth is like nah mate like this is this is you, this is, yeah. this, is, this is, this is your thing. And so yeah. mate, huge props to you for getting up in front of like biggest names in the NRL yeah. and like probably <laughs> people who you looked up to. Yeah. Like what, what's prompted you to just start that? Like where did that come from?
1: Yeah. I think it just came from when I, um, when I told my story and then I don't know, something, something just, just got into me where actually I remember what it was now. Um, one I don't know if I should say his name, but one of the boys who was uh, the main guy, one of the main guys of the team, put up a story and said um, something about missing his family, like his nephews or whatever. And then I replied to the story and I said um, said something about, "Are you all good?" or something. He goes, yeah. "Oh me, I just miss him." Yeah. And then I was like, "Far out." You know, he's someone who probably wouldn't like speak up around the boys and say, or just go up to at a sitting there having coffee together like oh far out man i miss my family you know like probably someone who wouldn't do that and i was like if he's not going to do it then the person over there is probably not going to do it and one of these boys aren't going to do it so Mm. why not make it a thing where we can all talk about it Mm. so i remember i was just like far out i gotta i gotta do something about it so and we we did this thing where we all get together one night a week and i um got up in front of the boys i was just like I just, I built the courage. I was myself. <laughs> so my heart was pumping, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was just like, "Hey, boys, like I want everyone to, to bow your head." And um, uh, one of the boys told me that he was missing his family. And, um, I wanted you to raise your hand if you knew anything about that, and no one raised their hand. Mm. And then um, I was like, "All right, everyone, look up now." And then no one's hand was up, and I was like, "All right, oh, bow your heads, and I want you to tell me if you're." Um, feeling like you miss someone, or there's something going on right now that you haven't spoken about. Like pretty much everyone raised a hand, and yeah, I was okay. like, oh, "Alright, everyone, look up and look around. Everyone's raised a hand, but mm. no one would have knew about that. You have no you know? idea." Yeah. And then sort of the boys were like, "Far out! Like this is pretty cool." And then that's when we started building the connection groups, and everyone started talking about it. It was just like it was just like a common thing that at the storm people cared and started talking about people's feelings and. Mm their families and who are you missing and all that and I was just like fuck that was special
0: but and and it, like it's special right it and you is, look yeah. at the the bond that you guys have now and I imagine that's probably a huge contributor to why you guys are so close now right yeah
1: that's right 100% and and from that day on I was just like Nico, you you got to keep doing this mm. like um don't don't be scared about who gives a shit about going out and being heartfelt and authentic like that's who you are mm. like and and then from that day on like everywhere I've gone now like I'll message me mates and, and check in on my boys from back home or like if there's a, one of the sharks boys or just whatever it's just sort of just being stuck with me from now on and it's something that I've just really really enjoy and and it's the sort of person I am and yeah it's just stuck with me and I've just I've just loved that part of being able to help people now mm. and and yeah, it's just about my care factor, I guess.
0: Well, mate, you are you are definitely helping people and, and the compound effect from having these types of conversations, like I know you've had these types of conversations before and I think it's the compounding effect. It's not the... It's not. It's us having this conversation. people listening to this conversation. But it's the conversations that people are having at the coffee shops. It's the conversations that parents might be having with their kids. It's it's the flow-on effect. And I think, like you said, there will never be enough mental health advocates in this space. And and I think we I think we have a duty to, to touch on, on your story if if you if you're happy and I, and I know you are. Where where did it kind of start for you? Like I know you you've talked about your mum. What where where did it start for you? I, I think it's probably a good place to, to yeah. Begin. It
1: would be like it like I was telling you. Affair was the, always the childhood trauma that you go through. That always there's some point in life that the trauma gets to a point where you have to deal with it, or it's just all going to explode. Mm. And um, obviously with mum being in our jail um hanging out with the wrong crew um and like experiencing like i've seen a lot that i probably shouldn't have seen as a kid yeah and like i won't touch on what i did see which um i'll hold back to when I hopefully write yeah. like, write a book when i finish yeah, my yeah, career yeah, or yeah, do a yeah. mad docker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so there's a few stories i haven't told along the way um but that's definitely probably i wouldn't i shouldn't have seen as a kid and um and then watching mum go and come and go and come and I think that's where it all started.
0: Was that around? You said you were around like seven, ten. How old were you? Yes,
1: when that? far out. The first time she went, I couldn't even tell you what age it was. Really? And, um, but like that all started. But firstly, I lived on a farm, and and Mum's partner who um, fell asleep on the wheel and died, and then that's when we would come back to the Central Coast, and it all just went nuts from there. And, um, so it would have been maybe five. Like I just I don't remember Mum being home for an extended period from like my whole primary school life yeah. so but
0: you're you're aware of where she is yeah what i was aware like yeah.
1: yeah like the hardest the hardest question i had to answer as a kid was um nico where's your mum? yeah and i sometimes would say like oh she's looking after nan in maitland or just like i would that would, try, I'd, that would be the story i'd try run with all the time um and then like she'd come home for a little bit and then go on like, where's your mum going again you know like so that was there that was I hated answering that question I would try and avoid like conversations that
0: that uh, that question could have possibly popped up you know um and then did anyone at school like your like you would have had mates did they know what was going on uh
1: yeah a couple would have Mm -hmm. a couple would have but it was sort of like an unspoken thing I think one of my one of my best mates, Max, I think he was probably the only one I spoke to it about. So yeah, it was sort of like a thing where I didn't know what what to do or how to talk about it because he was I was so young. And then, um, high school, high school was hard because it was the question of like, where's your mum been and and what she do, you know? Yeah. And um, so that, and then it, we started getting older. But as we got into the teenage years. Everyone loved my mum. Like yeah. my mum's house was the place to be. Like the boys were always my house. Like do you know how the Maruba boys was always like Mars, at Mars house, you know, like my mum's was like that. Everyone yeah. was there, you know. And um, so we loved her. I think she probably obviously loved it because she had some making up the do. She wanted us to have the best time because she's been away for so long. Mm-hmm. But so it all started from from the jail stuff and then.
0: Did you ever? sorry to interrupt but did you um do you ever talk to your mum about her experience in in prison yeah in jail? yeah what 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 was that like is that is no it's like she
1: like the, the the best thing to come out of her going to prison was her mixing with some elder aboriginal ladies okay and talk to me about that yeah well like i do through primary school obviously mum being away my aboriginality wasn't really around in my culture i didn't know anything about it and but then mum coming out and um, for the last, the final time, like she got to mix with heaps of the indigenous ladies in there, and and she started you know would start talk to me more about it, and like her her dad, like my grandfather, I never met him, never even seen a photo of him, so mm. I wouldn't even know what he looks like. Um, but he's the the indigenous side of us. Yeah, and. Yeah, and then like I remember going to school, and I seen Brucey Touré, is a really good mate of mine. He's an Indigenous fella. He um he was doing some dancing, um around like around this corner or something. I just heard the sticks and the didgeridoo playing, and I went over and I said, "Brucey, I want to join in," you know. Yeah. And you know, I told him like, "Mum's been telling me about it all, and I want to learn more." And and then so I started joining in and doing some stuff with him, and it was awesome. And but then that's when the some of my mates and the kids at school, like Nico, what are you doing that for? You're not black or you're not Aboriginal. And that's where I sort of went back into my shell, you know? It's like, well, far out. Yeah, you know, like I'm obviously don't know much about um, my culture and who I am, but I want to know more and I want to be a part of that. Cause when I seen Brucey doing that, I was felt like I was connected. connected. Like I was like, that's me. I want to be over there. Like instantly when I seen it and then, um, and when people were starting to say, Nico, no, this, you know, you're not this, you're not that. It's just like, you start to believe them, and you get scared because you get shame. You're like, "Well, I don't know what to say," you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that was awesome to find out more about that and the reason. You know, if everything happens for a reason. Maybe mum was going to go to jail to find out more about our With indigenous your culture, side. You know, 100%. And, and she's really good at her artwork, and she's doing that. And she still does it now. And um, so yeah, that was the best thing to come out of that, and her experiences there. At that time, she was she was pretty looked after. She had some good people around her. Um, her experiences over the last the last time she was in um, last year, whatever it was, the year before, wasn't great. And then, yeah, so like I do, I, it's weird because I'm someone so against, like I hate no, like the fact that she was being in there and whatnot, but I like to hear some of the cool stories yeah, that happened yeah, in yeah. there. <laughs> um, so I get that little bit of side of me. But, um, yeah, so going back to like where it all stemmed from for me would have been that. And then when I moved away as a kid, then I uh, as a after under-20s moved up to North Queensland, went through a pretty serious breakup, mm. didn't have any money. And it all sort of just exploded once. And then the fact that, you know, you got all these players who you played against in 20s who you feel like you're just as good as playing NRL now. Yes. Um, you, you're just doing a part-time role in the Q Cup team. I literally had $0 in my bank account. I was borrowing money off parents just to survive. You know, I went through a really, really bad breakup, like my, my first love and all yeah. that. And like, just all of it sort of just went bang at once. And and then I went to the doctor and he just diagnosed me with depression. And like I spoke to him about my past and I he just said, reckons that it just has never ever, um, what's the word? Like I just never dealt like, with the trauma. Yeah, I never resolved right? it. and And it sort of just kept coming with me, coming with me. And then finally when it all just went bang, it just all come and crashed down at once. And I just felt like um, maybe if I dealt with my trauma or spoke to someone through, because I never spoke to anyone about yeah. like what mum was going through and what we were going through at the time. Like me and my brother just held it in. Like I don't even think I spoke to my brother and I wish now looking back that I spoke to my, my brother more about it because he probably was going through it harder than what I was going through. You know? Well,
0: that's why these conversations are so great to have because yeah. now we're like almost educating the younger crew coming yeah, through. Right. Like I, And it's so wild to think, how much of an impact like suppressing those like traumas, like big T, little T, whatever, how big it is, like suppressing them down to come out later in life. Like we had some really great conversations this morning about your stuff, about my stuff. Like, and it's so crazy on how much like talking about it can help mm-hmm. like whether that's with friends or family, whether that's with your own connection or whether that's with a professional. Like I'm a I'm a huge fan on, on talking to, to to psychs and psychologists and and understanding that you might not get the best psychologist in the beginning. Like it's like dating, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you might try a few different ones and you know, it might not be for everyone. Like you might be fully comfortable just talking to a friend or talking to your own connection group. Like I heard an analogy and I say it, I say it in a lot of podcasts, but it's almost like, um, I use like the Coke, Coke bottle analogy, like every stress and every like trauma or whatever, any event, it's like you shaking the Coke bottle, but talking about it, it's almost like releasing it and yeah, like yeah. releasing that stress and like yeah, releasing I like that. that. I love, I remember hearing that and like even like meditating and the whole thing, like I think the conversations at a younger age, huge and like be able to help you later on in life, like that would, that'd be a huge thing to do, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like even just listening to that and, and thinking about, back in the time when me and my, my brother wade were growing up like we never spoke about it and like looking back in hindsight now i just wish i just said sat down with wade and just said wade how are you feeling like mm. and had a cry with him you know because yeah. like i never sat there and cried with anyone about it and like, he's my brother you know like yeah. and he he was when i was in primary school going through it he was in high school like so he would have been going through it much worse than me he would be more aware of of life at that time he would have been going through puberty he would have had friends ask him questions and and whatnot where you know I was probably sitting there thinking I was feeling worse than he was but at the end of the day we're going through the same thing and and I just don't think we had the tools or the emotional intelligence to be able to talk to each other about it and I remember one day um mum would send us like letters individual letters and I think I remember I snuck and read his one and like it was saying um, oh, I'm going to be in here for X amount more, more longer, um, but don't tell, don't tell Nico. Mm. Um And then I remember reading, I was like, that sucks. Like she's going to be way longer than just I thought. Cause you, just because you were younger, just because I was like, younger, was I didn't to understand. understand. You, yeah. she trying to protect me, yeah. and, and Wade yeah. and her would have had that connection because he was a bit older, understood more, and I, I wouldn't have knew that because I didn't talk to him about mm. it, you know, and like brother bond is one of the most important bonds you can have in life so you know if anyone's out there going through something similar like please talk to your brother about it because you guys are going through the exact same thing you're sharing the same emotions so yeah speak to him about you know
0: even around the education piece like there's so many more initiatives and, and workshops that are happening now like we've we've both been to um tommy herschel's workshop at find your feet um shout out tommy one of the absolute great men um and those things it's not just talking about it but he's him and and other guys in the space like they're making genuine impact like they're not just taught they're actually doing things which is so cool how was your experience going into the schools and and what did you guys do with Tommy there
1: yeah I actually get a little bit emotional thinking about how I didn't talk to my brother eh? yeah, I I, I didn't even listen to what you just said then what did um
0: talk to me about what what was it like growing up with your brother like where Mm. like would you guys chat growing up at all
1: no like far oh, yeah. out that's actually fucking rattled me thinking about not talking to him like how could I not talk to my brother about it you know like we're close now really really close
0: Fuck. <laughs> do you guys do you guys talk now
1: yeah yeah we talk we talk now like we're we're really really good and we talk about anything now like we've spoke about it but just like I've always I've always sort of forgot like I just don't know how I forgot to to go through it with him, you know, and like every time I I talk in a podcast, like it's always about me, and I just feel like how could I leave him out, you know? Yeah, I don't know if that's fucking just rattled me. Then I'm sorry about that. That's all right. But
0: he's he. What's the what's the age gap between you and your brother? Four years. So he's a bit older. Yeah. Was he Was he conscious of having a conversation with you as a kid? Like, nah, he wouldn't have been. No, no. no. But even trying to navigate that. As a teenager, fucking pretty fucking wild, like, you know. And that's why I think, like, the educational piece and, like, these conversations, so huge, Mm. like, so huge. Imagine, like... Imagine a, a little Nico and Wade, Wade's your brother. Like yeah. imagine them listening to someone who they look up to, like yeah. someone who's just like not only the best athlete in their sport, but also someone who's an incredibly kind and caring person. they're like, well, fuck, I want to be like Nico. No, yeah. I want to be like the boys. And, and for you guys, that's why I'm so grateful to have you on this, this platform. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, right. It's like, and that's why I'm so impressed and, and got a lot of love for you, mate, because you're like, you're making genuine change. Like you're making genuine impact yeah. and we've touched on it before. It's just like, like there's not like I said, we said it before that, like there will never be enough mental advocates nah, in this right.
1: space. That's right. Yeah, sorry about it. Mate, no, I... That's good, that's good. That's that's something that hasn't got out of me before and I, I'm really, I really appreciate you putting that um, whilst talking about that then because like it's, like my brother did have a, he did have a bit of a cry to me like not long ago um, about like, how he's never been able to tell his story Hmm. and it's it's hard because he like he listens and he's the biggest cheerleader for me and yeah he's just never like been he's never spoke to one he's never come out about what he went through and how he dealt with it and and now just like it's just come to me then like and I feel so fucking selfish in the fact that like I've, every single time I've told my story and, and it's been about me and I've just never stopped to really been like, fuck, what about Wade, you know? Mm. It's just, fuck. But like I don't having... I have to call him after
0: this, eh? Mate, have a chat.
1: Yeah. See how he's going. Yeah. Because... It's, it's good. Like I've, now I can get it out of him, you know? And yeah, I've sort of just fucking been worried about myself in these sort of interviews and...
0: And spoke about mum, It's like far out. Like what? What a dickhead, Nico. But um, I think you're putting a. I think you're putting a lot of pressure and stress on yourself, there, mate. I yeah. Don't, I, don't, yeah I, don't, no. I think I think that, and that's probably a natural thing for yeah. like, you know, not just footy players, but any professional mm. sportsman to to have high expectations, you know, and 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 high not goals, but high like you know high expectations on yourself. So, mate, I wouldn't put a lot of stress on yourself for that. Like, I think that's pretty only natural and like everything that you've done, it's, it's good, it's a good thing, you know, and being yeah. conscious of it now and, and being able to talk to your brother after this would be, yeah, would be would huge, massive. yeah. Yeah,
1: no, I appreciate that.
0: Anyway, anyway you're Tommy good.
1: Herschel, you mentioned Tommy Herschel?
0: Tommy Herschel, mate, the, the question I, I was talking around, the, like very, very fitting, um, great segue. Um, the education piece around, around Talking to younger crew, um, Tommy guys like Tommy Herschel's workshop and find your feet. Um, I asked what your experience was like when you went in with him and and, and how that's probably gonna impact young kids coming through. (laughs) I'll just stop you there. Right, well we can we can sell it. Sorry. Mate, have a do you want a toilet break? No, no, it's not good, I'm still good. Yeah. I thought I was annoyed at him. I got annoyed at him for it. For what? I'm
1: not saying I wanted to talk about it, and like I don't, I don't he doesn't care that I, 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 I talk in the story and that. Yeah. And he's like hearing it all, and yeah, yeah. Every time I hear it, like I go back to me going through it all, and like he's never spoke to me and I'm probably about it, and I was, He hasn't. Nah, and like I've just probably been so selfish in the fact that every time I tell the story, like imagine the trauma he's. He's feeling through it all, you know. Oh, as well, I like guess like bringing, bringing back memories. Like he's it all,
0: man, It's just, I'm fucking. This is lie. good, man.
1: Like I'm so glad, yeah. that, like this has happened right now because now I can be so aware to go and like after this, I'm just gonna call him, right. fucking, and tell him I love him and say so I'm sorry for fucking not being aware of. Like I should have sat down one day and did one with him. Yeah, us two together talking to something. But it's not
0: too late, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like I, I don't know. No. Like probably, probably not. No, it's not. You fucking like. Go fucking goosebumps, yeah. man. Holy fuck. Fuck, oh, sorry. Well, no no, stress. Brother, Ask it. me that third time. Tell me that Mate, oh, fucking wild. Fucking wild. Oh, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Hey, mate, if we want to, we can take five. We yeah. want to take five. We're good. I, I, I love it. It just, but right, it just honestly just shows like. How much love you got for your mates and yeah. your family. Hey, like, mm. like our mate Harry over there is just like fucking bang on. Yeah. He's fucking bang on. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's go. Let's go. Education piece. Yeah. Around around young kids coming through. I think like what what I love about these workshops with Find Your Feet and with Tommy Herschel and, and what a lot of young crew, even Alex Glenn. Alex Glenn's doing a lot with the Beyond Broncos and the Young Kids. Um I'd really like to talk about how they're making like genuine impact. Yeah. Like they're, they're not just, they're not just talking about it. They're actually going in and we've spoken on this podcast about talking when you were younger, how much it can help you later on in life instead of suppressing it. Yeah. And so how, what what did you do with Tommy in in your workshop and and what do you guys do there?
1: Yeah. So I'll probably rewind a little bit with Tommy. Tommy reached out um, after one of the podcasts or one of the things I did about my story and he started find your feet and So he sort of got me on board and I started doing videos for some of the kids he worked for or some of the workshops. And so that was like back in 2020. So 2020, 2021, all through COVID, I wasn't able to meet him properly or go to any of his workshops. So I started doing things in the background for him. And he was just a guy that you just infectious energy. He's a dude. He's a dude. He he cares. Um, Yeah. And like, so this year was the first, oh, last year, a few weeks ago, (laughs) um, was the first time I got to go to a workshop properly and, man, it was one of the best things I've ever, ever experienced, yeah. And, like, some of the stories he's told me over the time about why he started it, um, some of the schools he's been to and, and what his experience with some of these kids' stories, you sit back and you get goosebumps and you go, wow, like these kids go through a lot. There's so many kids that go through a lot and you wonder why and you wonder how they're dealing with it and then going to a workshop with Tommy I was just like man the way he walks in (laughs) he walks in and he gets the room going like you experienced it but for people listening like he gets the room going by having a muck around, like he calls himself an old chalky. That's a yeah. school teacher. He's a chalky. He goes, you yeah, know, mate, you look like you play footy. You could do this. Like, oh, look at your haircut. We'll go get him, you know, like we'll go get that barber for giving you that sort of haircut or just <laughs> yeah. just random shit. And then like I look at the reactions and they're all sitting there going, who the fuck is this what, guy? What did we just walk into Oh, it? seriously, yeah. like, what are, like what's, his, what's this guy going to do for us today? Like is he going to run a, a comedian thing today or whatever? And then... This all just goes bang and just gets into in character and just yep. goes this, this and this. And then they all go far out. They sit in their seats and he makes them sit up straight and but every now and then you have the joke and then you'll come back to the presentation of mm-hmm. of why he's here and and the kids and the mental health and whatnot. And and then these kids are sort of like sitting in their chairs going, Right, oh, we've had a joke with this guy. He's relatable. Yep. He can have a muck around, he can be a lad. But then you can throw punches in the face with why it's important to care for each other and, and mental health and, and have respect. Have respect and values, and, values, values and like everything. And I'm just going, holy shit, like the way he can run a program is the best I've ever seen. Mm. And like the way he can build connection and a safe space. And the safe space is the most important thing for kids um, or teenagers to be able to talk about their feelings and be able to talk to each other and and feel comfortable. In their own skin to sit there and get vulnerable and authentic and the way he creates that space i've never seen anyone do it in my life me neither brother ever and like i feel like um you know when i'm around my mates and, and people i can i can you know i feel pretty good i can create a safe space and in my podcast i feel like marley and i create you know, you are create yeah. a great space but tommy herschel and find your feet is just on another level mm. and the way i seen kids get vulnerable that day who have probably never spoken out in a group setting before. Um, and all of them, like all of them were so like happy to talk about it and get around each other.
0: That was the coolest thing, like them getting around. Yeah. And, they, and even Tom is like, if, if a kid's crying, it's like, Who, like, who's mates with this guy? Yeah. And then they, they all just run in and give them a big hug. That's right. Yeah, it's so cool.
1: And they can look across the room and you know what, all right, I own my shit right now. I'm sorry I, I ever said anything mean to you or whatever. And yeah i was like far out
0: i remember i remember one of the workshops that i went to and i and i I I'll, I'll check with Tommy but I'm pretty sure he, he'd be happy with me having this conversation and telling one of the stories I remember one of the kids um, we're all in a we're all in a group circle and we were and we we're having a conversation we're at a time of the presentation of the chat where everyone's comfortable we're, we've been on the hive we've mucked around we've been respectful but we've also come in and this is this is part of the process and we've also got counselors on board like in the in the room as well just to make sure to catch names of, of what's going on because a lot of these kids won't talk about it but there was this one kid who was talking about being bullied about listening um, Losing his mum. lost his mum a year ago. I think it was the Wednesday, and it was his year anniversary on the Friday. And I oh, fucking get goosebumps talking about it because this one kid, he like um he's like there was kids like um bullying him about losing his mum. It's like you should be like you should be dead like your mum. Like I remember hearing that, and I would, like just and even Tommy, like Tommy doesn't get choked up very much, and and he was just like, he was getting choked up. And um, and Tommy's like, mate, like thanks so much for sharing, like, you're a fucking legend, like, you're a legend of a bloke for sharing, like, so if you don't mind me asking, like, were those, are those boys in the room now? And this kid's, like, and obviously in tears, he's, like, yeah, yeah, they are. And then Tommy's, like, well, pretty, pretty huge opportunity now for for someone to stand up and, and, you know, say something to this young young man. And then it was silent for, like, 30 seconds, almost a minute, and this one kid, like, got up, went like straight over to him, gave him a big hug and was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like I, and then this one kid is going through a whole thing at home with his own dad and his own brothers and this whole thing. And it's like, no wonder he's like acting out because that's what's happening to him right. at home. And it, all the boys got around him and 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 it was so wild to think about because this one kid, like his fucking mum's like, yeah anniversary you know that he lost there so like it was um it was was wild conversation and like kids are crying I'm sitting there (laughs) crying you know what I mean and um and it was just um yeah it was wild but like they're they're teaching kids that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to have these conversations and that suppressing it it's 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 not going to help you going forward and they've got the counselors and they've got professionals in the room to help them like Tommy's Tommy's really good and, and these guys are really good at like getting them to be comfortable and be put in this safe space. But then they've got other professionals who know how to navigate the conversations. Um, I said to Tommy, I was like, you guys need to do this in more like NRL teams. I was yeah. like, can you can you do like professional sport and can you do older guys? He's like, 100%.
1: Yeah. Well, it's needed, man. It's needed. And like, look what he can do for those teenagers. And yeah, like I'd love... 50,000 of Tommy Herschel's. Can we, note, get, a yeah, yeah. Them, Can we yeah. get a couple more of him? Can we get a couple more of him and like going back to what you were saying about the kid who was bullying the guy from the mum's passing. Like obviously he's going through his own stuff at home. He's he's dealing with trauma and and what he's seeing at home is is what he thinks acceptable to go and and bully someone, you know, yeah. and and that's where we need to be better in life like as role models or just everyday people like seeing what kids are dealing with at home and then they're acting out for a reason, you know,
0: yeah.
1: and then they're acting out and then they've got trauma and then they're going through life with this something that's inside of them that's thinking it's okay for them to act like that or be like that but realistically like we need to be better educated on helping mm. these kids in realising why they act like this and, yes. and why that's going on in their life and, and, and being someone to help them through it yeah. and then maybe they won't go through things in mental health stages or, or be bullying people who have mental health or whatever so yeah like I don't have the answers because I'm not a, a expert or a professional mm. but I'm I feel like I'm intelligent enough emotionally and, and in this space to know that trauma is the biggest thing and and the, what they're dealing with at home is the reason why they're acting out like that and bullying people and, and that's where mental health comes mm. from you know so yeah if, and Tommy's doing such a good job of. Yeah of making that such a safe space, like we're saying. And I just love watching him go to work. It's eh? so cool, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's,
0: it's super inspiring. And like, even like the conversations that you take from that and learn, like learn into teenage life, into adult, even into adult life, yeah. like we're still learning now. Like this like this whole podcast is not a way to tell people what to do and, and preach. It's, it's a full learning curve. Like I wanna bring people along on the journey and I'm sure it's very similar to you going along and same with your podcast to learn. Yeah. Like to full, to fully learn, I did a um, I was telling you before, I did a um, uh, a mental health workshop uh, a couple of months ago, and like just want to air that for anyone who's thinking about getting involved in any sort of, actually anyone just in general, doing a mental health workshop is so, it was so great because it taught me four main things, um, mainly about uh, depression, anxiety, uh, psychosis and um, substance abuse. So drug and alcohol abuse. And the biggest thing that I took away was like how to navigate conversations because when you are having conversations with someone with anxiety or depression or who have suicidal ideologies, um, there are right and wrong things to say, you know what I mean? And we, we had this conversation this morning. It's just like it is hard to ask someone if they're having suicidal ide- ideologies and if they've thought about how they would do it. But that's the right thing to do. Like yep. if, you're, if you're close with someone and they're talking about going through a rough time and like – I didn't know I didn't know personally that two of the biggest um, contributors to suicide is relationships and financial stress and a lot of the times they go hand in hand together and you know it's 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 wild to think about and and the the when when you are when you are talking with someone and they're talking about being down asking them straight have like, have you thought I about did, suicide yeah. and I to be honest I don't say this lightly like I don't talk about this like it's a ve- it's a serious thing but then also asking them, um, and if they say yes, if they've thought about it, asking them, well, if how have they tried have they thought about how they would do it, and and that's a big piece in the sense of like if they've thought about how they've done done it, then they're a few steps along the track to actually completing like a completing yep. suicide, mm-hmm. and the best thing to do is to um, direct them towards professional help, yep. whether that's a GP, whether that's um, psychologist. Um, Keeping an eye, like keeping an eye on them, checking in with them. These, these are the best things you can do. And there's only so many things that, like, you, there's only so many things you can do. But directing in that in that sense is is the best. That's right, yeah. And to get to get help, you know what I mean? Unresolved trauma, like that's the that's the whole thing. And and that's the biggest thing that I took away from that. Um, but yeah, these 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 conversations are, are wild. Are wild going forward? Yeah, um, for sure. You you talked about um, you talked about uh, how your previous relationship brought up. Um, stuff with your mum, how did you go navigating through, like, that time? Like, what, what, I, know you, I know you talked to, to Boothie about it when it all, when it all happened. Um, did you talk to a psych or was there, was there any, like, a conversation around professional help at all?
1: Yeah, I um, started seeing um, one psychologist and then – or a counsellor and that wasn't really one for me yeah. and then I went and see another and then um, that one wasn't really working for me. And then uh, I went home and had a big weekend yeah. and that's when it all still sort of tipped over the edge again. And then I went, I actually had a chat to Tom Murphy, his name is, he was our captain at the time. Yeah. He's from the sunny coast, played a lot of Q Cup in that. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> sort of sat me down and told me some harsh truths about, man, you need to own your shit, yep. get it sorted because you've got the world at your feet, um, you can still make an NRL if, you, if you're... You fucking put your heart to it and mm. put your mind to it, and you get your shit sorted. And it was along those lines. And we had like a half hour an hour conversation, and like Boothy was there the whole time. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be standing here today if I wouldn't, didn't have Aaron Booth in my life. Yeah. Um, but Tom, that t- that conversation with Tom Murphy sort of just like it was like a punch in the face, and just go go fucking sort your shit. It was like a realist. Yeah. And like he's a, he's like a blokey manly man who probably had an experience or. Uh, didn't know much about mental health and just said do this and I just went you know you what you're right I need to go and do this counseling thing properly see a psychologist or just get my shit together and um and then another way that it helped me a lot and this is probably something like this is therapy for me it was random but I went and worked at a school Mm -hmm. at a as a teacher aide at a primary school and I was in a, a school where these kids were in an area where um, their parents might not have be been in their life as much or they were troubled kids and it was a school that uh, I needed more than they needed me and I remember going there and working there and working with these kids and I was literally having the best time every single day helping yeah. these kids, yeah, and these kids running over to me, oh, Mr. Hines, you know, I did this, I did this or, did this, or Mr. whatever. Mr. Hines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. time I think I would ever hear that in last but... <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, and I just remember building these connections with these kids and, like, they gave me a new perspective on life mm-hmm. and, like, they changed my life more than I changed theirs, I reckon. Like, I was rocking up every day and these kids were probably going through something similar I was going through as a kid, but they yeah. were rocking up, smiling, having the best time, just loving my company and yeah. I was loving theirs. And it was just, like, it was just a sort of a light bulb moment just went wow, like if I can come and make this impact on kids and they can make this impact on my life, then why can't I go get my shit together
0: yeah. and
1: do this properly and mm. deal with it head on and then go and chase my dream? And I did. And so sick. Yeah, it was just like just such a moment where it just turned my life around and I just loved it so much. And But in the background, obviously, like Boothie was there and, yeah, um, yeah like all these great people. But obviously Boothy was the main one, mm. but... Yeah, these kids and it was just working in that school. It's just like that's fire. so wild to think about, yeah. like, just
0: to change it up and, yeah. and and mix it. Yeah. And
1: then like from that day on, or from those days, like I'm someone who I'll always call like Boothie, or I'll call my mum, or my dad, or my brother. Like my brother was massive in that time. Like every day I was feeling down, I'd call him. Really? Yeah. So got going back to us talking about how as a kid we never spoke much about our feelings and what we we're going through, like. In those times, that's when I was calling him or my mum. Dad was hard to talk to because he's sort of like one of those old guys yeah. who don't really speak about feelings much. Um, but, like, yeah, so and until the day now, if I'm feeling down, I just call someone instantly. Like I love that. Instantly. I love to, I love yeah, to hear like, that. So I never hold it anymore, yeah, ever. Yeah. Like ever since I went through my depression and all those stages, like I'm just someone who cannot hold anything. <laughs> <in>. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'm probably over-sharer. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll literally, like... I got a sauna at my house now and I call it the truth box. Cause like whoever's in there with me, I just,
0: what is it about doing something hard where you're like, you're just able to, to settle in, but there is something about a sauna, a sauna lecture. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it, is. it does. <laughs> it does. Like it does yeah. hundred
1: yeah. percent. But like, yeah. So um, that's how I dealt with it, man. Like I, you you got, got to find the right thing that suits you. So mm. the first couple of psychologists or counsellors, I forget what they were. Yeah, like they didn't work for me, yeah. and it just wasn't wasn't it for me. Sure. The third one was was way better to talk to, mm. but then my therapy was going to school and just yes. seeing a new perspective of life, and that's what gave me my inspiration, my determination to go and chase what I want to continue chasing. Yeah, and, yeah. But then obviously, like I said, I had the people in the background. I was ringing up every day and like, you know, what I'm having a shit day today, like. Maybe this is what I want to do. Maybe I want to come home. And I'll never forget the day. Like I thought it was my mum who said this, but it was my brother. He, he, he rang me one day after I did not interview. He goes, that was me. He said that. But, <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, I rang him up and I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit the game. And this was before I started working at school. And I said, I want to come home. I just want to play local footy for my local club and be the, the hero there. Mm. And he just goes, mate, don't you fucking dare. remember the five-year-old kid that had a dream. And then that stuck with me fucking forever. That's when I started working at school and it just all started to unfold. And yeah. yeah, So like everyone has a different way of dealing with their mental health, but you gotta deal with it Mm. and you gotta find the right thing that suits you. But if the first thing doesn't work out, don't give up on it. Go and find something else or go find someone else. Like there's gonna be at times where you might talk to a person and it doesn't work, but there's gonna be you're gonna find that person that does and it's gonna work for you. Like I try to use the analogy like when you get sick you got to see a doctor you got to have medicine or you won't get better it's yeah. like you meant to have you got to treat it like a sickness like if you don't see someone you're not going to get better and you're going to keep getting worse and worse and that's when it spirals and then you go do something silly you don't want to do yeah so yeah it's just it's just a matter of fact of finding what suits you and what works for you and then it'll end up working
0: oh, Fuck, i love that yeah. i love that so much how um you you have spoken um before about uh, getting like a mental health round. Like you know how we've got we've got all yep. the we've got all the rounds um in the NRL, domestic violence, women league, indigenous round. Like how do you think we get a mental health round in the NRL?
1: I was actually thinking about that on the way here in the car drive and I was like, Well, I said in a podcast uh we needed it and yep. they said, Well, why don't you make it happen? And I was like, well, I've been that busy, I haven't made it happen yet and I just sort of checked myself this morning, like, I said I was gonna make it happen, so you gotta make it happen. And I was like, well, Keegan, you he's played NRL, you've experienced it all. Why can't we rally some troops and do it together? Right, like, let's do it. Yeah, let's do 100%. it. And I was like, what well, could be like a nice, you know, you've got a beanie for brain cancer, you got all these things. And I was like, just thinking, like, this might not be, it might not take off. But I was like, "Masks for mental health, like, take off your mask for mental health, you know? <sighs> Goosebumps, I was like, Everyone needs to take off their mask and have a conversation. Like, don't have whatever mask it is you got—the tough guy mask—or you got the whatever a mask it is you have—that's so scared to have a conversation. Well that round everyone take off your mask and let's go have a conversation and maybe that's maybe that's what it could Bro, be i love that i yeah. think that
0: i think there's something in that mm. i think there's something in that i think you you'll you'll know who to talk to about that like, let's yeah. let's reckon let's make that work i reckon and then like because the, the clubs more will, we have mate the clubs will jump on board hundred yeah, percent like there's like paramount like my, my previous club like they're shifting their whole community pillar to mental health yeah like how wild is it they yeah, they interviewed awesome. Um, greater Western Sydney, um, staff, players, predominantly, and fans, and 80% of them wanted to see more work done in mental health. Really? How wild is that? Yeah. And so you think about that across all club lane, like heaps of crew are leaning into it. Like I'm surprised how many um, guys and girls are willing to come on platforms like this and talk about their yep. own mental health journeys. Like 10 years ago, like you reckon no the boys are way. talking about that, like even nah. with you at the storm in the COVID bubble. Yeah. You think 10 years ago the boys are going to be sitting around talking about how they're feeling? Nah, not uh, at all. No, not No way. Chance. No um, brother we've we've <laughs> ticked over an hour um hour ten um mate i before before we wrap i oh, I had a whole heap of notes but i'm I'm so glad we went in this direction um before we wrap things up is there anything else that you'd like to touch on um before we before we wrap um, it
1: up yeah maybe that like i always hear when you're in group settings or um whatever it is, people will have a will talk about it so like for example. Uh, Me and some of the boys were doing a a workshop or whatever it was about like a hardship, yeah. And someone would say a hardship, and then the next person would be like, or the 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 fourth person would be like, oh, you know, I feel like I want to change mine, or this is my hardship's nowhere near as hard as like the other boys and that. And I'm just like, I stopped them and I just said, look, just because your hardship doesn't perceive as harder as the person before you doesn't mean it's not hard in your life like yeah if you've had a good upbringing and your life's been great and going through an injury or um, whatever it is you're going through doesn't seem as hard as the person before you it doesn't mean shit like Mm. it's hard for you yeah you might not have dealt with anything hard in your life but that is hard for you and you don't know you've never dealt with it before you don't know how to deal with it so it's hard to you in that moment that means it's hard and we have to respect that The hardest
0: thing you've gone through is the hardest thing you've gone through. That's right.
1: And you're going through that right now. You're dealing with it and it's hard. So don't just think that people are going to look at you and go, oh, fuck, it's only this. But that's their problem. Yeah. But, you know, if you're feeling emotional towards it, it's because you care about it, you know. And don't ever think that just because your hardship isn't as perceived as hard as someone else's that you can't be feeling that emotional. You can't be feeling uh, down about it because you're allowed to feel down about it like yeah. and it's, if it's something you care about then it's what you care about and that's all that matters i don't give a shit if people can look at you and go no like fucking nico's mum's gone to jail you can't be angry that you got if you've had a head knock no yeah. fuck that no way in the world like if you had had a couple of head knocks now that's going to be Impacting your career, like you know that, you know <laughs> no, what I mean. Yeah,
0: no, and I'm like right,
1: yeah. it's it's it is something that people should worry about and care for you and make sure you're okay. Mm. Like, and I don't know if I've explained that
0: no, good uh, enough, but
1: mate. I feel like that anyone like your hardship is fucking hard. So be okay with it and just deal with it and get people around you.
0: Mate, I I can't I can't add on that. You you hit it mm. on the head, um, brother, mate. Thank you, like seriously, like thank you so much for doing no, thank this. Thank you, but like, I. I when i when i first thought about doing the podcast like you you were one of the first guys that i thought about like when you first did the thanks um documentary all those years ago that was something that i really respected um and even we've got a lot of mutuals and 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 man i'm I'm just so grateful that you're able to come on like not only my platform but everyone's platform. You said it earlier today, you're like, I don't give a fuck. I'm I'm I will always tell my story yeah. and if it helps one person and if I get if those messages that I get, like, that makes it all worthwhile. So brother, I'm so appreciative. Um, I've got a lot of love for you, mate, and I'm I'm so pumped for the next couple of years because I think you're gonna do great things.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's um I've obviously been watching it from afar and I love what you're doing. And the more people like you in life and that's what we need you know and and what you're doing for the community and the mental health space like i really respect you and and being able to create a safe space for me to <laughs> finally actually tear up from one of these things and um yeah like let's let's take it together and let's let's go fucking get an n mental health round let's let's change the world together kids i appreciate go, it
0: thank Pump. you fuck, man oh, holy fuck, how you feeling you're good oh, shit, mate yeah, good. thank you bro that and was and nuts. That I was fucking shaking after that. it. Was oh, fuck. That was unbelievable. Really? That ending was great as well. Yeah, it was so <laughs> good. Fuck, and I love that truth box. I think yeah, that's yeah. so cool. The sauna truth yeah, box. Yeah, okay. so, cool. so cool.